a so-called unprecedented outbreak that is sweeping through mammals. They say that the avian influenza virus is on the way to mutation. And if it takes the right turns, it will become more harmful to humans, and we can expect another black plague to sweep the earth. Cases of the H5N1 strain, which are at record levels, have already jumped from birds to foxes and otters and minks and sea lions and all sorts of other creatures. It sparked huge concern among top virologists that say deadly pathogens are now one step closer to spreading in humans. This was a hurdle which was stopped from triggering a global problem. And then we have people saying that maybe, just maybe, in all of their gain-of-function work, we have seen another laboratory issue come to play. The World Health Organization for Animal Health now has warned that mammals are acting as mixing vessels for different influenza viruses. They say that we could see the unleashing, as their words are, not mine, of a new variant that will be more harmful to humans. The H5N1 strain already has a 50% fatality rate. That is truly horrifying. According to the Norwegian Intelligence Service, or NIS, the ships and submarines that are part of Russia's northern fleet are for the first time in 30 years, as you may have heard, carrying tactical nuclear weapons directly on board. As the importance of nuclear weapons and strategic deterrent forces increases, the Northern Fleet's defense of the military bases in the region, the Northern Bastion, and the Barents Sea is becoming more and more important, says the Norwegian Intelligence Service in its annual report. When asked to clarify the current assessment on risks of Russian war, the Intelligence Service said, quote, the key part of the nuclear deterrent is on the submarines and surface ships of the Northern Fleet. Commentators have interpreted these reports as a warning that this is the first time that Russia has had tactical nuclear weapons on board of its warships since the collapse of the Soviet Union and the end of the Cold War. What a lot of people aren't realizing is that we are at the beginning of the Third World War. It's already accepted that we are seeing more trench warfare than we have on our planet since World War II. We're seeing the largest military loss of life in many ways across Europe since World War II. And we're seeing multiple NATO countries say they will not stop until Russia is completely gone. Pavel Podvig, a senior researcher with the uh, UN Institute for Disarmament Research, has said he believes it's highly unlikely that the report indicates that Russia deployed ships armed with nuclear weapons. They say instead, Moscow is relying on vessels that are just theoretically capable of carrying nukes. He says that U.S. and other intelligence officials have said they have seen signs of recent activity that suggests Russia could be deploying its non-strategic nuclear weapons, but this remains a mystery. While Russia also has the submarine capabilities, the anti-satellite weapons, and in the cyber realm that threatened Norway and the NATO military alliance, a tactical nuclear weapon is a particularly serious threat, according to these researchers. There are several operational scenarios in which NATO countries will soon be involved.
This also being noted right now in the military theater that an escalation of a localized war into a wider conflict, one that involves the United States of America, NATO, and Norway, this escalation is basically on the horizon. The agency says that in its own assessment, while Russia will maintain, modernize, and develop its nuclear arsenal, they're not seeing any significant changes to the doctrine, but we do expect changes to happen very soon. The U.S. ambassador to Israel has further stated that Israel can do whatever Israel needs to in regards to an Iranian nuclear threat, and they know that America has their back. The Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, she decided to mark President's Day, I'm sure you've read this in the headlines, by proposing that all of the Republican states break off in its own version of the United States of America. She said, quote, we need a national divorce. We need to separate by red states and blue states, shrink the federal government. Everyone I talk to, she says, says this exactly. For the sick and disgusted, as she puts it, woke culture issuing uh, issues that are shoved down the throats to the, what she called, political-sided, traitorous America's last policies, she says we are done for. The last time that state, uh, states seceded from the Union, the direct result, as you know, was civil war. Here we have a major politician in the United States of America bringing to the forefront the words of people in the country. Over 60% of the people polled believe that we are headed toward a second civil war. If you think that you have seen violence, you haven't seen anything like the violence that will be unleashed in your city during a civil war. If you think you know hardship, you know nothing of it because this will be truly horrendous. In terms of saying something about the uh, days that we have seen, we have politicians all across the board warning that we are experiencing right now a great dividing of the American populace. With its division, it can only be pulled so far until sides on either political side start to shoot rather than talk. The average price for a new vehicle as we move into the economic realm in the United States of America has jumped almost fifty thousand dollars. Up thirty percent from the year twenty nineteen, according to JP Morgan. The average monthly payment for a new car has increased to record highs. We have many coming in at $1,000 or more, according to the Kelly Blue Book owner, Cox Automotive. The British government has summoned, uh, summoned its Iranian counterparts and envoys over new and alleged serious threats that they're seeing to UK-based journalists as we see the call signs for a war against Iran beginning to be read loud and clear. Germany's foreign minister has said that Germany has told the Chinese diplomats at a security conference that China is responsible for world peace. China must not provide Russia with lethal weapons or anything that can be seen as a dual-use product. Back to the economy. Home sales price, home sale prices, going down. Home sales in general, down 29% from last year. 
S&P earnings down almost 5% in the longest drop since 2020. Credit card debt up $61 billion just in the fourth quarter, the largest jump since 1999. Now the only people partying like it's 1999 are the princes we've allowed to be put into power. That's the people on top of the corporate world, the people who prey upon Americans not making enough money to pay for their electric and their home and go out and get something for their family to eat. Inflation is now above 2% as it has been for 22 months. Remember, they said it was temporary and transitory. Now they're saying we've got years of high inflation. Housing prices are more unaffordable than they were in the 2007 through 2009 financial crisis. Back to Ukraine, Zelensky has said if China allies itself with Russia, that will be the trigger for the Third World War. You see, on the battlefield, across the planet, what they do is they position the militaries. Maybe they don't call it war, but they position them there. So it's kind of like you playing a board game. You playing chess. You position your fighters. The fact of the matter is, we are all pawns to them. But they're setting us up right now for the largest war in our lives, in our collective lives. And with that, we will see more shed blood than any of us ever want to. It's being called Putin's final straw. The sending of U.S. fighter jets to Ukraine will trigger an end-game nuclear response from the, uh, from the Kremlin, according to strategists. A Ukrainian security leader is warning that the bloodiest battles are yet to come. The security chief vows that Ukraine's tanks will be parked in Russia on Moscow's Red Square and that there will finally be justice for this war. Our tanks, says Danilov, our tanks will be on Red Square and that will be justice. He says they invaded our territory killed our women, our children, the elderly, and civilians. If we don't give them a proper answer, this is Ukraine saying this, not me, so the trolls can just stop. It's only a matter of time before they invade another country. In fact, Poland, Norway, we have other countries all across Europe saying Russia's next move. Look at Moldova. Russia's next move is to go further. We saw Russian signs pop up all across Russia on social media. These indicated that Russia won't stop until the whole Soviet Union is back up and running. The government of Russia has reportedly developed a new comprehensive database of lists of eligible individuals, people who are ready for military service. This is a new move to mobilize people quickly, better screens uh, to better screen out people with exemptions. The database is also aimed at tracking down evaders, draft dodgers, using facial recognition cameras, mobile phone signatures. The project came about after years of problems began to be identified with the mobilization due to unreliable record keeping, exemption, uh, people with exemptions receiving mobilization orders, thousands invading them by leaving the country. They say to tackle these issues, the government has digitized paper records, merged databases, and they are allowing multiple agencies to come under one unified system. It was prompted by a decree that was issued by Putin just a uh, 
I think it was in late 2021 or early 2022. It involved a number of people, hundreds of digitized uh, records being done in just one city or two cities alone. According to independent journalists, this new database, including a wide range of information of eligible individuals, will show their contact details, any properties that they own and their health status. Prior to this, enlistment records were a chaotic scheme. Much of the records were on paper cards that weren't updated. You need to think about this right now. We have people ask us every week, Brad, what happens when the draft comes to America? <clears throat> Unlike Russia, America already has you digitized. They're ready to draft you, call you, find you, look for you, look to other people's houses for you at any moment. So we're going to see a lot of so-called evasion in the coming drafts. And if you don't think there will be one, you are just on a different timeline because maybe there wasn't one in your granddaddy's age, maybe there wasn't one in your pappy's age, maybe there won't be one in yours. But we will see drafts again in America. It is only a matter of time. They say mobilization may not be imminent in America, but mobilization of the people to fight for American power will come. The question comes down to you and what you are going to do when that calling comes to you. Reports say that Russia in recent months has gained intelligence to sabotage critical infrastructure in the Dutch part of the North Sea. The Dutch military intelligence agency has given a round warning to neighboring countries. Police, as you know, discovered a pipe bomb on train tracks with multiple law enforcement responding after saying that we may be seeing infrastructural and at least railway sabotage happening in America. That's the quiet part, the one they don't want you to talk about. That the CIA's playbook, the US government's playbook, and ever every major country's playbook to sabotage industry and infrastructure of opposing countries may be affecting you here in America. You see, they want you to think everything is okay. They tell you, eat less and you'll save more money. They tell you, send your children off to school, and if there's an active shooter, you can't come get them. Sorry about that. We're taking care of this for you. You have no control in America. Now, do you have more peace than in developing countries? In many cases, yes. You have more safety. In fact, our women and children don't have, they're not predated upon when they go get water from the spring. But our women and children are predated upon Maybe when they take long walks and runs in the night. There's a everything is okay in the country when it is not. I want you to understand that even though everything is not okay, you can do things to get ready. You can increase your awareness. Situational awareness means not looking for shadows everywhere, but understanding that behind some trees, shadows exist. It means not thinking everybody is a bad person, but understanding that some people, and maybe even the people that you meet and know, are bad people. It doesn't mean that you judge everyone. It means you question a lot of things. In that questioning, you can get ready. Moldova's new prime minister has said that Russian troops that are stationed in Transnistria must be expelled. They say the dangers are increasing every day. When asked if Poland had seen evidence that Russia is targeting other countries, including Moldova, the PM replied yes 
I do see lots of fingerprints of Russian forces, Russian services getting ready to act in Moldova. Kosovo's president is warning that Russia is attempting to destabilize European countries in order to divert attention away from this battle in Ukraine. The way you could be able to do that is by creating other conflicts in Europe, says the uh, leader in the warning to the Balkans, to Moldova, to Georgia. The president, Osmani, has said that the Kremlin wants the same in Kosovo through its ally, ally in Serbia. They say Russia is using methods that are employed in eastern Ukraine to foment a civil war, to destabilize the country. They tried to create false flag operations, she says. They brought in paramilitary forces. These people were dressed in civilian clothing with our territory, uh, within our territory through illegal routes. And then they send in the weapons and they send in the uniforms without insignias so that it doesn't look like a traditional military attack. But the president warns, in fact, they do prepare for hybrid attacks, which are a mixture of paramilitary forces and civilians. So what can you take from that? Well, just an understanding that our world is changing, that you can do things right now to get ready, including increasing your situational awareness, your self-defense capabilities, your ability to feed your children when other people can't, your ability to have big problems when other people are left scrambling, and white people about to have big problems to get ready. Over there. Chores, your prep work, and then have fun. Without that fun part, it makes the chores and the prep work a lot more burdening. From my family to yours, please stay safe and keep watch. We will see you right here tomorrow for another broadcast with headlines from America and from around the world. If you're interested in long-term food storage, check out nutrientsurvival.com forward slash FSS. Okay, use the code FSS15 no, to get a discount there, 15% off. If you're interested in real antibiotics from a real pharmacy that you don't have to use right now, that you might use if you call 911 and no one answers. Check out contingencymedical.com and use the code FSS10 for a discount. But most of all, everyone, stock your pantry, look around outside, stay safe, and keep watch. We'll see you right here tomorrow, and I want to wish you good luck. Palestine, Ohio. This is some of the residents that were gathered for a meeting, and they look just like I would imagine they look. A lot of middle-aged to elderly people, just like I kind of pictured in my head. So let's get into this, because I'm surprised that they are still sitting in this place. So the air was recently tested in East Palestine and toxic pollutants are still in the air after they tested, which would make sense. I mean, remember the chemicals went everywhere. It went in the ground. It went in virtually everything, the grass, the trees, the roads, the water. So I would imagine, I'm not an expert and don't claim to be one, but I would imagine those pollutants are going to be in the air for years to come because it is just so embedded everywhere. I mean, how do you 
even eat anything. You can't even eat the fruit that the trees are going to bear. You can't eat any of the vegetation that's growing out of the ground. I mean, the ground is completely toxic there, you know? So I'm not surprised that the air is still tested, you know, testing with the pollutants in it. But despite that happening, y'all, I mean, and it's only been three weeks since this still happened. So there's no way three weeks later, everything would be good. But the EPA is trying to say it's still okay for them to be there. And I don't know how you can tell them that when you don't, what do you have to compare to this situation where it would make sense that it would be safe to be there? And, and just remember, a lot of times it's the same case with Flint, Michigan. The people that are telling you it's safe are the ones that don't even live there. I mean, just like Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi, they got all these people coming in there over the water, but all of those people don't live in Jackson. They're not dealing with that water. The water coming out of the faucet ground and they're telling you it's safe. You know, at the end of the day, for this government, it's always money first. It's always, always money first. They don't care about the people. They care about the cash flow. So three weeks after the toxic train derailment in Ohio, an independent analysis of the EPA data found nine air pollutants that is still persistent around that area. They don't know what it's going to do to the long-term health of the people of East Palestine. They don't know. But they're telling them it's okay to be there. Okay, so what if it's not okay to be there and they start dying off? What is the government going to do then? You told them to stay. It's okay. An analysis by Texas A&M University researchers stands in contrast to the statement by the state and federal regulators that air near the crash site is completely safe despite residents complaining about rashes, breathing problems, and other health effects. In response on Friday, EPA officials said the air quality levels of 79 chemicals they are monitoring remains below levels of concern for short-term exposure and that current concentrations are likely to dissipate. Do you believe that? Nope. Do you believe once the chemicals is now in the ground and in the water, and on virtually everything. It, it wouldn't even have to be on the homes there and everything. So you would believe that it's safe because a government agency told you that? Now, see, I know why we 
don't trust the government because this government has done us wrong a multitude of times. But folks that you see in this picture, they tend to believe the government a lot more than we do. I understand why we don't have any trust in the government. We got uh, so many examples on how we've been double-crossed or been done wrong and this government looked the other way or either participated in the wrongdoing. So I can understand why we feel this way, but these folks, they tend to believe the government a lot more than we do. So, uh, but the data only adds to questions and concerns that have weighed on residents for weeks as they wonder how contaminated their community has become. So, you know, there was a story out there probably about two days ago that the residents said they still feel sick and there were some chickens that they had. And they said the chickens are laying eggs that have like a purple like hue on the eggs. And that tells me the chicken and those eggs are probably not edible. You really should just destroy those chickens. A, a chicken that's laying purple like eggs, I don't think you should even be eating Oh, hell no. But I'm just saying. So anyway, if, if everything was fine, then something like that should so not be showing up in one. the animal. But it is. So that's really an indicator that something is really wrong. And that this thing is not at a safe level like the EPA is saying. So in its examination of EPA data and the Texas A&M researchers found elevated levels of chemicals known to trigger eye and lung irritation, headaches, and other symptoms, as well as some um, that are known or suspected to cause cancer. I don't know if I ever told you this story before. Here in New Jersey, in Mount Laurel, there was one street where every adult and even the children all got cancer and for years they were trying to find out what was going on it was not everywhere in mount laurel it was just one street one street everybody had cancer it even the even the pets had cancer the dogs and cats had cancer and uh, you know the people on the street and the children died and some of the people that were survived but still had cancer, they had to all relocate. This street, nobody can live on that. Nobody can live on that street. But it was not everywhere, but it was just something about that one street. And they could, they tested and tested and tested and could not come up with a reason on why everything that lived on that street got cancer. Never could figure it out. So now they just don't sell over there. They'll sell all around that street, but they won't sell anything on that street. So, I mean, these things do happen. 
But I think right now, in my opinion, the way the EPA is doing it, I, I don't think that's acceptable, but I don't live there. So the EPA officials emphasize this point Friday. They stress that the safety threshold the researchers use to analyze the data assumes constant exposure over a lifetime and said they don't expect the pollutant to remain in high concentrations everywhere near the lawn, near that lawn. So they're saying there are high levels of benzene and related chemicals. And they're saying the air levels was not elevated, but they said the EPA, um, what they did was measure for certain substance, hazardous substance found in the smoke and concentrations that could have a long-term health effect, along with other chemicals at lower levels in combination could also arrive health concerns. If they remain at these levels for months or years, that's what I'm saying. It is way too soon for them to say something is safe and it's only been three weeks. No, babe. But this is what they're doing. Three weeks and you already no. know. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But I guess people can believe whatever they want. I don't believe in three weeks something of that. And this thing was huge. And I think they have tried very hard in the media to downplay it. But I really think this is far more serious than anything we've been told. And see, this media, they are notorious for downplaying serious things. That's why it's really best to come online, read your news, and determine for yourself how you feel. Don't let them make you think that you got to go along with anything they say. You know, because at the end of the day, even something this serious, they'll sit there and use all kinds of propaganda. You don't need propaganda when your life is on the line or your children or your grandchildren's lives are on the line. You don't need propaganda. You need the truth. And that's one thing about American media. American media don't believe in the truth. They'll sit, they'll sit there and string you along every single day. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know, um, what they're saying is there is potential concern about long-term health effects. And while some of the highest air pollution readings the EPA reported were collected in the days after the controlled substance release, some more recent samples remain to be elevated. We can't say whether these levels are causing the current symptoms because people are still feeling sick. Three weeks later, do you know what this could be doing to their bodies? You know, just in this short period of time, it could be a damage that just can't be reversed at this point. 
So we want to definitely make sure these higher levels that are detected would be reduced before they left and declare everything uh, cleaned up. So they do have the people out there in the hazmat uh, suits and, and boots and gloves and everything and the air masks. They are out there now yeah, trying to clean up. Levels in the audience. So the EPA, while they're <laughs> out there, yes, conducting indoor yeah, it looks air like tests it. in yeah. about 570 homes mm -hmm. and found no contaminants associated with the derailment inside. The agency <laughs> continues to test the air through 20 monitors around East Palestine area. As well as via aircraft and other mobile detection equipment, and said it has not detected any levels of air pollution associated with the derailment that triggered health concerns from short term exposure. I don't believe them. I I'm just telling y'all, people are in and out of their houses. You're opening and closing doors, you're opening and closing garage doors. You're you know what I mean? I, I I find it hard to believe there is no pollutants in the house and everything in yeah, the air and everything around the house is polluted. I don't believe that. And, and how are the people Jimmy, everything. indoors everything getting so sick then? Because they've been outdoors. So I mean, you smell isn't shit, it kind of counterproductive you and the air the quality is about. bad on the outside, but these people got to go on and live life and they're going to be indoors and outdoors and they're so like sick. They can't be hermits and, and stay yeah, in all the time. Exactly. I guess that's what the president so said. So isn't it counterproductive to their health? Even if it tested okay indoors and these folks got to go out, they got to go to change. They got to get groceries and pay bills and be out and about. Isn't that kind of counterproductive? Even if you came up with that reading, Well, you know, so, you know, everybody got an opinion. They have somebody from John Hopkins uh, from Public Health talking about the situation. And, you know, and, and they're all pretty much saying the same thing. They don't know what the long-term effect is. You're not going to know. You may not know for the next year or two how it impacted the people there. So... I guess it's up to them to decide whether they're going to stay there or leave at the end of the day. Nobody can make them do anything. But of course, there are a lot of people in fear of the water is still a big fear there. And, you know, they're talking about the contaminated the foam that the firefighters use, you know, that's also in the ground and the forever chemicals, which seems to be everywhere in the United States. Oh, you I said, boy, y'all really know how to F everything up. You really do. Forever chemicals in the damn water. I got a lot to say about that, but let's move on. So they're still telling people that have wells not to use the water and to use bottled water. <laughs> Besides that, Junior? Yeah. Where that place at? So, we shall see. I will, see. I will definitely keep up with this story yeah. to see 
if people are still there or some of the people just decided to move on, you know, they can certainly stay in Ohio if that's what they want to do, but perhaps just get out of that area that's badly contaminated right now. You know, but this government don't do anything to clean anything thoroughly up. You know, look at the Flint, Michigan water crisis that's still going on. And Jackson, Mississippi, they said that water's been like that for more than a hundred years. And this government has never done anything about that. So my thing is, they don't care about you. They care about money. And they're going to always money over people. You know, that's what they do in this capitalistic society. You know, when you run everything on capitalism, they don't have time to care about the people. That's just how it is. But y'all, so that tell me what you think about this video. Please leave your comment and subscribe. Don't forget to hit on the notification bell. And I'll see you on the next video. Peace, family. These include developing special purpose credit programs targeted at Black and Hispanic buyers, because of course it will be Black and, issuing more small dollar mortgages below $100,000 to finance lower value property. I'd like to see what you can get in Boston for $100,000 since we're dealing with Boston here as a space. I'd really like to know what is it you can buy in Boston in the year 2023 for $100,000 in Boston. I'd like to know. And innovating credit score models. Well, now that last one right there, innovating credit score models. For the longest time, I want you all to follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. For the longest time now, we've always let them use that innovating credit scores thing. Oh, we want to be able to get you to get credit score models to take a look at things other than, you know, credit. We want them to look at, <laughs> do you pay your monthly utility bills? Do you pay your telephone bill? Um, they want to look at things other than actual credit mechanisms. And for the longest time that has been sold to black people as, oh, this is going to help those of you, you know, descendants of slaves who've been historically marginalized and ostracized and discriminated against. Oh, this will help open it up for you. For the longest time, that's the way that this has been sold to us, that changing up the way that credit scores are calculated was for us. But I want to suggest to you all that, by the way, now you're starting to see the, the screw turn and you're realizing, you know, that would work for black folk in America, but it would work fantastically for illegals. It works even better for them. So if they've been frozen out and can't buy property or get conventional credit, well, don't worry. We will help them to start a credit profile without having to jump through the hoops that you Negroes have been hobbled by for decades. So now you're starting to see where 
the, the real reality of it, and they, they don't say this here, but I'm letting you all know, now you're starting to see where the real strategy is. It starts to make sense now. This big push to change the way that credit scores are calculated to include things other than traditional credit score uh, metrics. So no longer worry about getting a car, getting uh, a credit card. Let's use other things. And now you see that that'll give them a justification for circumventing us. All right. He goes on to say here that these efforts must account for the fact that black ownership, black homeowners live in a broad range of locales and circumstances. Indeed, the demographic composition of black households has changed over the past few decades. In 2019, nearly one in eight households headed by a black person in the U.S., 12 percent, was headed by someone born in another country, having migrated from countries including Jamaica, Haiti, Nigeria, Ethiopia, Ghana, Trinidad and Tobago, the Dominican Republic, and Cape Verde, shout out Amber Rose. As of 2019, two million households were headed by a black immigrant in the United States. Let me repeat that again. As of 2019, two million households were headed by a black immigrant in the United States. This paper begins by highlighting national trends in black immigration and ownership. Home ownership. We show in what states and regions black immigrants live and have become homeowners across the nation. We also examine what helps explain the unequal success, the unequal success of different black immigrant groups at attaining home ownership, considering differences by county of origin, as this county of origin, they might have been country of origin, age structures and immigration histories. Second, we take the case of Massachusetts and analyze how black immigrant home ownership has changed in suburban communities and cities outside of Boston over the last decade, as well as within the city itself. Now, as you all know, when white flight started, what happened? Black folk came to the inner city and white folk went to the suburbs. Now you have them populating the suburbs with immigrant black folk. But the descendants of slaves was a group of them frozen out. They made sure, oh, we're gonna corner the market there. Yeah. He goes on to say, Metropolitan Boston offers an important case study of the home ownership trajectories of Black immigrants. In our conclusion, we link our findings back to policy initiatives to mitigate the racial home ownership gap. Folks, when I did my film, Race War, do you remember when I did my film, Race War? Remember when we talked to Bob Law and Bob Law said the important thing to remember when you talk about affirmative action and things like that, 
what you have to understand is the differences that we face here are because of policy. He said, we don't want to hear any more symbolism. We want to hear about the policy because what's happening to us is a result of policy. Laws and regulations put into place and executed on the books, not people espousing values and principles, but government policy. That is the policy of the government that this is the way in which they deal with these matters. That's what, if you haven't seen race war, you want to do that. When was the last time you all heard them talk about black folk in America before these immigrants, before they started talking about immigrants and discussing the word policy? That was a word that's always been missing before now. They didn't mix the word black with policy. But now when they're handing out these think tank papers and these Harvard University papers, now they're showing the word policy when talking about black immigrants. We need to discuss government policy. This is how government needs to form policy. Words and terms that when Kamala Harris shows up, Kamala Harris doesn't talk about black folk and policy. Joe Biden doesn't talk about black people and policy, what the policy should be. It's just, well, you know, racism is bad. You know, it's easy. Biden is too old and decrepit to dance. He'll let Kamala do that for him. He goes on to say that we argue that as black households have become increasingly diverse over the last few decades. You mean since the uh, Immigration Reform Act of 69? You mean that? You mean that one? You mean that 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 divert the last few decades? You mean those last few decades? You're referring to that one? Any focus on black home ownership can benefit from considering black immigrants too. Any focus on black home ownership can benefit from considering black immigrants too. Now, when they discuss black immigrants, they don't say you need to form a policy that benefits foundational black folk. They don't say you need to have a policy that benefits descendants of slaves and freemen. They don't say that. When they talk about black immigrants, the discussion starts and ends with black immigrants, how you can specifically help them. But when you're talking about us, the native black population, all of a sudden they try to bootstrap everybody and their mama. It's black and Hispanic, black and immigrants, black immigrants. All of a sudden we got to include everybody else in the discussion. It very quickly goes from talking about black people to, you know what, you talk about us, what about you do? But that's the only time that you see that. You don't see it any other time. When they're talking to us, they don't say the words policy. When they're talking to black immigrants, they don't mention us. They make certain and careful not to mention us. That's policy too. They conclude by saying this is particularly true in states such as New York, Florida, Texas, and Massachusetts which house some of the nation's largest black immigrant populations. 
We conclude by offering specific policy recommendations aimed at supporting black immigrant homeownership tailored to both distinct challenges and opportunities. Distinct challenges and opportunities, in other words, set-asides, special programs, uh, special assistance. Then they're going to come back in 10 years, or not even 10 years, they'll come back in 10 months and be on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok telling you that they came over here and built and pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps and they just went hottest and all this. That's what they'll be telling you. By this time next year, they'll be telling you they did it on their own. Knowing full damn well they're lying through their teeth, but by this time next year, they'll be on Instagram and TikTok and, and, and Twitter talking about we did it ourselves. We did it on our own. It's because we were so smart. I have a degree. Take a look at my degree. That's what did it. Very good point there in the chat room. Telemundo and those TV stations down there in Florida, they ain't got no love for the black immigrants, but they'll all be out there dancing with the very people who are undermining them, by the way. They'll be sitting there dancing with the very folk undermining them. Thought that was interesting. They'll be sitting there dancing with them. Sitting there dancing. That's something to keep in mind. Now, what I want to do next, I'm not going to bore you here with too much. Not going to bore you here with too much. But I wanted to go into some of what the paper itself says. And what I'll do is I'll post a link to the paper in the chat room here. By the way, if you like tonight's program so far, if I haven't offended you too much, give me a thumbs up in the chat room and hit the likes button. There's over 3,000 people, and we only got 1,000 likes. So I'm figuring it's, a, it's Amber Rose and some of her friends must be in the chat room hating. If I'm telling the truth on the nice program, give me the thumbs up and hit the likes button for me. Let's represent on this. Now, if you remember before, we were talking before about home ownership rates and how they vary for different groups of black households. Here's what it says in the paper itself. For white and Hispanic households, home ownership rates of foreign-born households are lower than those of native-born households of similar ages, races, and incomes. For instance, the home ownership rate of foreign-born white households is at 64%. Uh, at 64% is lower than the rate of native-born white households, 72.6%. Black households are the exception, however. Among black households, the home ownership rate of immigrants, 42.1%, is similar to the rate of native-born households, 41.7%. Still, Home ownership rates of black immigrants vary widely by country of origin, ranging from a low of 9.6% for those who have migrated from Somalia to 55.9% for those born in Jamaica. The stark differences in home ownership rates between black immigrant groups are shaped by several factors. Hmm, let's see what they say the factors are. First, 
Differences in home ownership attainment are shaped by distinct migration histories of various black diasporas in the United States. Bordia, now we used to talk about the black diaspora as a singular, a singularity, a singular entity. You all remember that? Shouldn't say singularity since that We used to speak about diaspora as a singular entity out of Africa to America, out of Africa. We used to speak about this as a singular entity. Now they're telling you that there are diasporas. Oh, there's more than one. The slave boat stopped in more than one place now. So recognize that this is Harvard and your big brain folk allegedly speaking on our behalf and take a look at what they're saying. Now, y'all, we're seeing all kinds of words, new words being entered into the lexicon. This is why it is so important for us to have control of our language and our narrative and separate it from everybody else because they'll try to hijack a word quick. They will try to hijack a term quick, and then next thing you know, they've corrupted it and changed it, mutated it, and now it doesn't mean anything like it used to. Now it serves something a little more humane. Now it says they're shaped by distinct migration histories of various black diasporas in the United States, including timings, the transferable skills of black immigrants, and opportunities available in places of reception. Folks, that's government policy. Opportunities available in places of reception. So in other words, when they land, do they have a community in place, Dr. Claude Anderson, and government support in place? Jason Black to be able to support them when they get here. For now, go on to say, for example, the majority of Somalian migrants have arrived in the United States as refugees fleeing civil war since the 1990s, settling in places like Minnesota and Maine. Many faced significant language barriers as few of these migrants spoke English and some arrived illiterate. Um, many of them didn't speak English and some arrived illiterate. So much for degrees. Given these conditions of migration and settlement, we can better understand the low, 9.6%, ownership rate of Somalian immigrants. By contrast, many Jamaican immigrants are professionals who were recruited by employers in fields such as nursing, or teaching, shout out New York City. Jamaicans also arrived with the advantage of speaking English. A significant upper class to middle class Jamaican diaspora has now been well established in the United States, especially in places such as New York City. Consequently, the distinct migration histories of black ethnic groups help explain the group by group differences outlined in figure five. Second, variations in income also factor into the differences in home ownership rates among immigrant groups. Households with higher incomes are in a better position to build the savings needed for a down payment and afford monthly housing payments and therefore have higher home ownership rates. Income is an even more important factor for home ownership among immigrants than for native-born households. Say it again. 
This is their report talking. Income is an even more important factor for home ownership among immigrants than for native-born households, as lower-income immigrant households are less likely than those native-born to enjoy benefits that enable lower-income home ownership, such as receiving inherited wealth or inheriting a home through an older relative. Now, you all know that this is not our experience in America. Wealth, receiving inherited wealth, our entire argument has been that we are the poorest people in America because we have been systemically deprived of wealth. And yet they write this Star Trek science fiction report talking about, oh, black folks, native born black folks, they got wealth too. So recognize when you're watching and listening to a propaganda piece put together, regurgitating lies, recirculating lies, because its purpose is to be a propaganda paper to support the thesis that they want to present at the end. They're going to say third, age is a determining factor for home ownership as with age, people generally increase their incomes build savings, and move less frequently, which puts them in a better position to become homeowners. Overall, home ownership rates rise from 39% of households headed by someone 25 to 34 years old up to 78% of households headed by someone 65 and older. Now, here's my thing. How much? How many households are owned by Jamaicans in New York City? You can't own a house in New York City. New York City is not a bedroom community. So what the hell? Home ownership is a relative term in New York. Yeah, I know about the Bronx and Queens, been there many a moon. Homeowner, and they tend to be out there in Queens, but home ownership is a relative, is a relative term because most of that stuff they're doing is renting. So this paper has some things it needs to explain. Home ownership's a relative thing in New York since most of it's renting. It goes on to say here from 27% among 25 to 34 years old to 67% of those 65 and older. Black immigrant home ownership rates are lower still, rising from 17% at age 25 to 34 to reach only 57% among those age 65 and over. Time in country is another important determinant of home ownership rates of immigrant groups that is closely associated with age. Across different immigrant groups, immigration is most often done by young adults, and it occurs in waves that happen in at different times for different countries. Joe Biden has been in office. He's been allowing in Haitians and uh, Jamaicans. So right now, this is the, this is the time for them to bring in the, the Haitian wave. As a result, immigrants from some countries may be both older and have spent more time establishing themselves financially and otherwise in the United States on average than those from other countries and may therefore be more likely to own a home. For example, in 2019, the typical black immigrant householder from Jamaica was 54 years old and had been in the country for 29 years, having arrived in 1990. Meanwhile, the typical immigrant householder from Cape Verde, shout out Amber Rose, 
was 44 years old and had been in the country for 20 years, having arrived in 1999. Although both groups have similar average household incomes, being 10 years older on average and having been in the country nearly a decade longer helps lift the average home ownership rate among Jamaican householders to 55.9%, well above the 44.6% rate among Cape Verdean immigrants. People, do you all realize how much info details that they got on black folk? Do you all realize how much data they got on black folk? No matter, no matter where you come from, if you black, they got all the numbers, all the detail. They're sitting up here calculating about us while we sleep. The old folk used to say that. My grandmama used to say that. White folk be planning while we be sleeping. Take a look at this. Take a look at the reams and piles and data down to the percentile, down to the year of research. This is why I tell you all, stop arguing about the census numbers. The census numbers on, on balance are correct. You couldn't keep a system of white supremacy going if the numbers were bogus. You need accurate numbers to make sure that the policy is working. You can't make an accurate, effective policy based on bogus numbers. Because you got to communicate to every white person everywhere what the, what, where we stand. They ain't got time to sit up here and all show up at the Policy Institute in D.C. You got to get that information out there. So they need accurate numbers so everybody can be on code. So everyone can be on code. But take a look at the withering amount of detail and data and, and, and minutia that they can go into for any black ethnic group, right down to when you showed up and how many of you got here. You know why? Because you were allowed here. You didn't do something great and wonderful to get here. You were allowed. You were allowed to come. You were allowed to show up. You are allowed to do that. And they're showing you, yes, we've been controlling the levers the whole time. You couldn't set foot here, much less stay here. We got the ability to sit up here and, and, and kick you out of the country. We have the ability to remove you from the country. You can be extradited out of the United States. They don't have to sit here and keep you. You can be deported tomorrow. So if you're allowed here, you've been allowed. And they know how many of you, which is why they can turn the spigot on and off. They can turn the spigot on and off. That's the point. The paper goes on here to say home ownership rates of geographic drivers of differences in home ownership rates. Home ownership rates for black immigrants differ state by state for a variety of reasons, including differences in the composition of the immigrant population, as well as the affordability and availability of the local housing stock. In most states, black immigrants have lower home ownership rates 
than native-born black households. Now, let me say that again, in case you missed it. In case you missed it. Let me say that again, in case it got by you. Because that's important. You heard what they said before, but it says, in most states, black immigrants have lower home ownership rates than native-born black households. In some states, however, foreign-born black households have higher home ownership rates in some states. For example, in New York State, black immigrants have a home ownership rate of 38%, which is nearly 11 percentage points higher than that of native-born black households in that state, 27%. Black immigrants also have significantly higher home ownership rates than native black households in Connecticut and Florida. Home ownership rates of black immigrants vary widely between states, even those that are located relatively close to each other. For example, the home ownership rate of black immigrants in Connecticut at 55% is higher than in any other state. But in nearby New Hampshire, the home ownership rate of black immigrant households is just 14%, well below the 42% rate of black immigrants nationwide and the 49% rate among native-born black households in that state. Vermont and Maine show similar trends. People, what this means is it's controlled as we've always said, as we've always stated, as we've always maintained, it is controlled. You ain't coming to Martha's Vineyard, don't get down like that unless they allow you to. It is controlled. It's controlled. You're allowed to be where you are. And if it ain't your time, if you show up unscheduled, they gonna get you the hell out of here. But it's not your time. And once again, take a look at the withering numbers of the amount of detail they have here. Now listen to this next part. At a more local level, home ownership rates of immigrant groups are also related to the extent to which they live in major cities or suburban cities and towns. Indeed, within large metro areas, the average black immigrant home ownership rate in suburban counties, 54%, is nearly 18 percentage points above the average rate for black immigrant households in urban counties. 36%. Let me say it again. Black immigrant home ownership in suburban counties is 54%. Black immigrant households in urban counties, 36%. For black immigrants, home ownership rates in suburban counties are higher than in any other geographic location, including smaller metro counties or non-metro counties where home ownership rates among native-born black households are the highest. As a result, immigrant groups that are more likely to live in the suburbs where home ownership rates are high are also more likely to be homeowners. Now the next section. Like we said before, all always like i said before you folks in the and around the world black people we're trying to keep telling you 
that these folks don't like us. But y'all seem to think they keep running to them, especially people in Africa. I don't know what it's going to take to get it through your heads. But these people just don't, don't want us. I don't care where you go. They, they, everywhere you black people at, suddenly we're the problem. After you've built in countries, and this is in Tunisia, and it's always been a black country, but basically, you know, like I said, they people, it wasn't a black country. Basically, it was mixed. But now the Arabs, like I tell you guys, Arabs consider themselves white. White motherfuckers are white. Don't give a goddamn what their nationality is. They consider themselves white, and your black ass ain't needed. Now, the problem here is you got black students from all over Africa going to universities in Tunisia. They take your money, but they don't want your black ass there. Sad to say, that's the truth. Now, I, I'm going to say this again to you guys, you young folks, and to you people. And all and they sub-Saharan Africa, like they always call sub-Saharan, like it's some bad damn thing. You ever notice that? Sub-Saharan Africa. You know, like y'all motherfucking uh, savages or something. Don't, you know, I would tell them, quit, quit calling it that shit. Call it, you know, Southern Africa, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Don't call them sub-Saharan, like y'all subspecies of humans. Anyway, I'm telling you, all you folks in the black countries in Africa, I'm telling you, for your own good, if your government cannot, especially the ones with super resources, if your government cannot spend this money and, and spread the wealth on the people and, and make universities, farmland, all this shit should be happening on these countries. If they can't do that, then overthrow your goddamn government. Don't let no puppet regime be put in there by the whites. You know, because this guy right here, okay, I'm, I'm going to let him read it to you. Then you all figure it out, okay? I'm going to let it read to you, and then I'm going to give you a video of it. 1,430. Tunisian President Kai Saeed took a page from the white nationalist playbook this week, espousing xenophobic and conspiratorial views on migration as his government rounded up sub-Saharan African migrants, leaving black residents of Tunisia worried about their safety. Saeed, who has consolidated power since his election in 2019, has eroded the North African country's democratic institutions. He is known for promoting conspiracy theories to justify tightening his grip on power. The latest, his allegation of a years-long plot to bring immigrants from sub-Saharan Africa to the country to transform the demographic composition of Tunisia. These successive waves of irregular migration are meant to change the image of Tunisia to that of only an African country that has no affiliation to Arab and Islamic nations, Saeed told national security advisors on Tuesday, according to a readout of the meeting published on the presidency's website. He called for an end to this phenomenon, accusing hordes of irregular migrants of criminality and violence. His remarks, implying a shadowy structure of nefarious intent behind migration to the country, drew comparisons to the language of the Great Replacement Theory, which holds that policies or elites welcoming immigration are working to replace white people in Western countries. Popularized in recent years by French nationalists, who often inveigh against Muslim immigrants in France, including those of Tunisian origin, 
The conspiracy theory has been linked to white supremacist attacks in Charlottesville in August 2017, on mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand, in March 2019, and at a supermarket in Buffalo in May 2022, among others. Saeed's comments drew plaudits from Eric Zemmer, a leader of France's far right who is known for his anti-Islam and anti-immigrant views. The North African countries themselves are beginning to sound the alarm in the face of a migration surge. Here, it is Tunisia that wants to take urgent measures to protect its people, he tweeted Wednesday. What are we waiting for to fight against the Great Replacement? Coupled with a campaign of widespread arrests of migrants, the escalating rhetoric from the presidential palace in the majority Arab country has sparked fear among black citizens and immigrants alike of street violence or arbitrary arrest in a country with a judiciary that is now largely under the control of the president. Some 21,000 sub-Saharan African immigrants lived in Tunisia in 2021, according to the latest official survey, state news agency TAP reported. Many sub-Saharan African immigrants arrive in Tunisia legally to work or to study. Located at the northernmost tip of Africa on the Mediterranean Sea, the country is a destination for people fleeing violence or poverty in sub-Saharan African countries and a key transit hub for those who board rickety boats across the sea to seek asylum in Europe. There were roughly 9,000 refugees and asylum seekers in Tunisia as of December 2022, according to the UN Refugee Agency. Coming from countries including Eritrea, Sudan and Somalia, most transit through Libya, where physical and sexual abuse of migrants is rampant. Resistance builds in Tunisia as populist leader seeks more power. Immigrants have long faced discrimination in Tunisia. Undocumented people, subject to arrest and exploitation, live in particularly precarious circumstances. Tunisian authorities have detained hundreds of migrants this month and violated the rights of those stopped at the country's borders, according to an open letter signed by more than two dozen rights groups last week, which accused the Tunisian government of violating its obligations under international law to protect refugees and human rights. At the same time, the Tunisian state turned a deaf ear to the rise of hateful and racist discourse on social networks and in certain media that specifically targets migrants of sub-Saharan African origin, the letter said. This hateful and racist discourse is even perpetuated by certain political parties, which carry out propaganda stunts on the ground, facilitated by regional authorities. The Tunisia Africa Business Council voiced its deep concern on Thursday. An association of Nigerian students and interns in Tunisia put out a statement urging members to always carry identification documents and to avoid loitering in certain neighborhoods in Tunisian cities, going out unnecessarily or late at night, and taking public transit. In a social media post, a master's student from Côte d'Ivoire, studying at a Tunisian university, decried universities for failing to protect their students. Some Ivorians have asked their embassy in Tunisia to repatriate them. In a joint statement sent by WhatsApp on Thursday, more than a dozen Tunisian rights groups said Saeed's remarks expressed hostility to the values of humanity and tolerance the Tunisian state has been bragging about. The Tunisian Republic has historically identified as African and is and will always remain the meeting place of civilizations, races and religions, the statement added calling on Saeed to issue a formal apology. 
Rights activists have called for a protest on Saturday afternoon in Tunis, the capital. Some Tunisian activists wrote posts on social media offering support to sub-Saharan immigrants, while a prominent professional soccer team released Africa-themed apparel. The uptick in vitriol threatens Black citizens as well, rights groups say. Black Tunisians have long made up a sizable proportion of the population, widely estimated to constitute around 10 to 15 percent of the country's population of some 12 million people. Many are descended from enslaved people brought to Tunisia before slavery was abolished there in 1846, and they continue to face discrimination in Tunisian society. Houdam Ziadet, a Black Tunisian political analyst based in Toronto, shared on Twitter testimonies of a Black Tunisian janitor who feared taking public transportation to work and a Black Tunisian family whom police confronted at a funeral this week. As a Black Tunisian, Ziadet has experienced racism firsthand. Saeed's comments vocalized the most primitive, racist tropes and prejudiced ideas about Black Tunisians among segments of the non-Black population, she said adding that she worries the government's muslin of dissent will prevent more Black Tunisians and sub-Saharan African migrants from sharing accounts of harassment, violence, or discrimination. In the wake of Saeed's remarks, Tunisian anti-racism organization NEMTI put out a statement Wednesday condemning racist discourse that catalyzes hatred and aggression against Black people. It called on the presidency to take a more objective and respectful approach as hostility toward Black residents escalates. In 2018, before Saeed was elected, Tunisia became the first Arab country to pass a law criminalizing racism. Saeed himself has previously voiced pride in Tunisia's African identity. Now, facing growing opposition and an intractable economic crisis, Saeed appears to be using immigrants as a politically convenient scapegoat, analysts said. His focus on undocumented migrants comes amid a crackdown on dissidents in recent weeks that has drawn concern from the U.S. State Department. More from the Washington Post. To boost happiness, treat... Now, you've heard that. Have you ever noticed that every time shit goes wrong in this country, I mean, in this world, period, the first people they blame is black people. Now you can you can act like you put your head in the sand like you don't hear it, but it's the truth. Since the economy is going bad, guess who they blame? The black folks. All the crime in America, black folks. All the crime anywhere in the world, black people. The atom bomb, black people dropped it on Japan, as far as they're gonna say. You know, it was, it was a black bombardier in the plane, and he pushed the button. He didn't have to, but they told him not to, but he did anyway. Now, I'm going to let you hear what their president has to say in Tunisia. Short little video of what he said. Of the African Union's African Migration Observatory. Thank you for speaking with us here on France 24. Welcome. What was your reaction to uh, hearing this claim of hordes of uh, migrants in Tunisia plotting to uh, to basically uh, change the demographic makeup of the country? Well, it, it raises major concerns for us of the African Union to hear that, of course, from uh, one of our uh, member states. 
Um, we don't have the numbers that are available before the uh, present of Tunisia, but what we are aware of, which is a major problem between us and uh, our countries, is basically the attempt of uh, requesting from our states to uh, naturalize uh, third countries' nationals uh, in uh, our countries. So this is a major issue. Um, the African Union um, is clearly not welcoming this attempt because it will cause a lot of disruptions uh, for uh, the continent and our states who are already facing a lot of problems. When you say naturalize, explain please. Okay, um, now there are, like, it started with Libya crisis, uh, that uh, migrants from third countries who uh, arrive um, and got into um, detention in, for example, uh, southern Mediterranean in uh, the uh, European uh, states, uh, they, are, they are brought back to Libya. Uh, it started with a processing center idea and at the same time saying, okay, they can become nationals of Libya. This is the problem that uh, was raised uh, for a few years now. And now it's um, probably that is why uh, the president of Tunisia mentioned this issue of demographic changes, because um, it is now a sort of a path for uh, some states to uh, ask others to accept the irregular migrants to become nationals uh, in these states. The African countries are developing countries, including um, all the, the big countries in Africa. Uh, they are facing a lot of economic problems and we are already all of us overpopulated. So this is one of the major issues that are facing the continent. Now, you heard that. Now, you, you saw the video. And, and it's like I said before, all you see are able-bodied black young men. You know, they're able-bodied, but they run their black ass to these white countries and instead of staying there saying, okay, it's time for us to change this shit in our country. Pick up a gun, do whatever you got to fucking do. But you see these people don't want us anywhere. I keep telling them fools, and they keep running like little stupid little chickens. Hey, you got to run over there. It's white people over there. Let's go over there by them. They don't want your black ass, okay? Don't you get it through your heads? You know, you run away from the best part of your life because you too lazy and too trifling to get off your ass and say, I'm going to take on the government. Me and my boys going to take on the goddamn government. We're going to bring it down and nobody going to have shit because we're tired of running. But you don't. You run away. Leave your wives, your kids, your families behind. Tell them, I'm going to go make some money and send it back. Fuck that. They need you there. They don't need you running away, sending back a few, you know, dollars or whatever the fuck you're using French money. But you don't listen like that, do you? Like I said, they don't want us. Young men, you got to stop. Somebody speak their language. You know, you got 50,000 languages. So I'm speaking, I'm probably sound like goddamn, you know, pig Latin in there, you know, to people because they don't speak English. Everybody don't speak English. And that's no problem. That's nothing wrong with that because I don't blame them. You know, but who made English the number one language on the planet anyway? The white motherfuckers. So fuck them. So when somebody break it down to them, what I'm saying, 
that you know don't run to Indonesia, don't run to fucking uh, Europe, don't run to America. Stay there where you at. You know your your, your continent is growing like a motherfucker, but you got to say I want to be a part of my country. I'm not going to build somebody else's country. I'm not going to somebody else's universities like you're in Tunisia. You're spending the money. Just like they do, they treated you like shit in the Ukraine, black Africans. They treated you like shit, but your money was keeping up their economy because you were spending the money in the universities. Black Africans were. And they treated you like shit. They turned on you. You see what they did when the war started. Wanted you to stay there and fight their war and told you you weren't good enough to get on the train kicking women and kids off the trains and put the white ones on there. But y'all still don't get it. Now it's in Tunisia, the same thing. The white motherfucker don't want you. And let's, let's get this straight too, since y'all don't seem to think that this Islam shit is so gracious. I'm gonna show you stupid bastards why I keep telling you about these religions. Now, what did it say? Uh, at the same time, a hateful racist discourse you know, hateful racist discourse. Hold on a minute. I'm going to find it. Because some of that, so let's continue. Don't this sound just like something? You heard this before here, remember? How long ago was it? You heard this four years ago? Maybe six years ago when that orange face guy was in there? And you hear all the, and these fuckers, you know, running around the streets now in America talking about, you know, keep the country wide. That's the same thing this bastard is saying. That, you know, even though it's sitting in, at the northern tip of Africa, and it's in Africa, all these goddamn countries don't want to associate with you. You black folks, they don't want nothing to do with you. But you keep running your silly asses there like stupid ass idiots. And that's why I don't have no compassion. What they're going to do is start shooting you motherfuckers down like dogs. And you know what's going to happen? Nothing. Ain't nobody going to do shit about it because nobody gives a fuck about you. This is why I keep telling you you need to do your own thing in your own country. Like I said, if you can't have it, then nobody can have it. All these so-called kings and shit, that shit is past. Par, par, par for the course. Ain't no more kings and motherfuckers. Do it in a society where you have a leadership or Congress or Senate, whatever the fuck you want to call it. That make rules and that's the way it works. You know, you, you can do a, do a dictatorship as long as the guy's doing fine by the country and the people, fine. Fuck the Western values. They don't have to do shit. But then this, this is another thing the guy says. You know, I just love the way they do this. You know, they just, I don't know, wait just a minute. This fucking thing here. There we go. Go down here. It says, these successive waves of irregular migration are meant to change the image of Tunisia to that of only an African country that has no affiliation to Arab and Islamic nations. That's what I wanted to say. You hear that, right? No affiliation to Arab and Islamic nations. What he's basically saying is, you black motherfuckers ain't Islamists anyway. And you're not Arabs. That basically is what he's saying. Which I know a bunch of you idiots are still running around with ISIS and talking this shit. We Arab uh, Islamic Brotherhood. You ain't no fucking Islamists. Even though the motherfuckers know that Muhammad was black. But they don't want to admit that he did just like these goddamn Christians in the West. Jesus was black. But they don't want to admit that either. So everybody's telling you 
They don't want our black ass, but you still fall privy to their fucked up ass religions and follow their beliefs, and you still get kicked in the ass in the end. When are you gonna wake the fuck up? There's a billion of you black motherfuckers over there in Africa. You got a hundred different countries with every every fucking natural resource by the tons in the ground. But yet you ain't got shit. You're running the fuck away. Your boys, your men are nothing but pussies. I read that the women need to take over. That because the men ain't shit. They run. Run away like run, nigga, run, just like they do here in America. The men ain't shit. The black women that got them on took over the role as men. You can't, and you know, that's the truth. Everybody knows it. The black women are the men in the family. I mean, so many single ones of them, and so many of them living in projects and shit because they sleeping with the same no good ass bastard because the decent black guys are getting the fuck out of Dodge. They're not going to fuck with them. And this is the same thing that's going on in Africa. You got a bunch of low life motherfucking dudes who ain't doing shit. Won't change the country at all. Won't do anything but sit down and run. Run somewhere else and get misused and abused. And then expect us over here to feel sorry. I don't feel fucking shit for you. Just like I said last week, I put out a couple of posts and they got these whole starving black little bald head babies. Oh, and a white motherfucker feeding them. You know what? That's a goddamn lie. But you know what your governments do? They let them do that shit. They let them come there and exploit your babies and your families and your people. They go out to the fucking nether regions of the country where people want to live like they in the first century BC. Them people want to live like that. They don't want to change. They don't want to do the other shit because it's too much trouble. So they go take pictures of that and they, oh, this is... The, the leadership of the country is doing it. No, there's a lot of times it's the motherfuckers themselves are doing it, just like you got it here in America. Lazy-ass motherfuckers ain't black people I'm talking about. Niggas, Negroes, who won't get off their ass and do shit, who blame everything on everybody else and about to be put out of the pasture in a minute. They they, they don't get it, but they're going to be put to pasture. Fuck them, I'll be dead then. But back to this, like I tell you, y'all run around here talking about, I'm a Muslim and all. these motherfuckers don't want you. They use you. You got they got these stupid bastards in bars of Nigeria, Nigeria shooting at each other, shooting their own brothers and sisters for this shit called Islam. And then they tell you Islam is the religion of peace, just like they tell you about Christianity, religion of peace. But the only motherfuckers that get killed are the motherfuckers who don't agree with it, and the motherfucking fools they use in Africa. All these niggas running around talking about we Islamists and we ISIS. And these white-ass Arabs, they using your stupid ass. Don't you get it? I've told you people over and over and over again, look at your black-ass skin. Look at the next motherfucker that comes because of Arab, Chinese, Asian, where the fuck they are. If they ain't got no color to them, they ain't, they ain't thinking about you. They think they're better than you. Have you ever thought of that? If they color is light like them fucking Europeans, they're better than you. You got them in your own goddamn country, just like we got them here. Niggas that grow up with, they color, they color a little bit lighter, and they, they think they're better than the rest of us. And what you gonna do about it? Nothing. There's nothing you can do about it. The only thing you do is 
push them motherfuckers out and say, okay, we're gonna take care of our shit here. But you you people run around talking, we 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 are black. Two people or we all the same same as Muslim brothers. You not considered human even to these motherfuckers. And this bastard that's doing this shit now, he's really just telling you, you're not shit to them. You know, you're you're overrunning them. You're taking away their whiteness. You see, and, and y'all still keep running there. Well, like, uh, well, they gonna let us stay. No, they not. You know, they not. You know, it's just like these two motherfuckers. Look at these two motherfuckers. Do you think they work? Fuck no. They don't swam across, got there some kind of way, and they use them as picture postcards of motherfuckers who ain't doing shit and probably gonna get into some criminal shit. See, that's why he blamed all the crime on y'all too, didn't he? And I'm not saying they ain't, that they ain't doing it because I saw a brother on another post from Africa and told folks that's coming to these countries, don't come there committing these crimes and shit because you make it look bad for the rest of them. They don't give a fuck. That's what I'm saying. You know, if these countries close their borders, which they should, close the goddamn border. You know, and these motherfuckers gonna have to do something. And what their governments need to do, if they ain't got shit for these these motherfuckers to do, put them in the army. You need a goddamn army. Give them some bows and guns and say, now you in the army. I guarantee you. Say, okay, now since we in the army, y'all gonna go out and put roads and build roads and shit. And y'all gonna protect this country. There you go. You got one big ass problem solved. And you know what? You can make them farmers too. They can learn how to farm. Then you got one big ass problem solved. So, cause you got they they doing it all themselves. They the army. They building shit. They doing shit. You already paying them to sit around and wait. Now you paying them to actually doing something. And countries like Nigeria is so fucking corrupt. You can't even buy a goddamn grape without going around the back end of the store to pay for it. Get rid of them motherfuckers. You know, you people over there gotta stop it. When you start killing these corrupt motherfuckers, they stop. Y'all know better than anybody. I mean, I praise y'all, the black people in Africa. I put praises on you. When people do wrong over there, y'all don't go run to no law, y'all handle it. And I love that about you. So do the same thing for the politicians. Y'all don't have to keep running away from your shit. But just like I said, they don't want us. Nowhere. Nobody wants us. You know, built the economies, built their cities, built the goddamn world. And I, I know motherfuckers that say, no, you didn't. You're goddamn like everything is built on cheap labor and work like a dog. They did it here. They did it over there. Even the goddamn pyramids were built on cheap labor. Black motherfucking backs. The whole world was built off black people's fucking backs. The plantations in the south of, of America were built by black motherfuckers off their backs. The same big ass house for the master, they built it, beat like a goddamn animal till they dropped. The fucking capital of the United States, built by black people, designed by a black guy. No credit. Then it's done, they don't want our black ass. Same thing with y'all. So now it's time for you guys to build Africa, black Africa, and fuck the rest of the world. Cause they you, they need you, you don't need them, but y'all don't get that through your fucking skull yet. But when they start shooting your motherfucking asses at the border, you'll get the idea.
because I know this is going to go right over a few motherfuckers' heads. But, I, you know, and I'm talking to the brothers and sisters that this here, the hit is in Africa. I don't mean to curse. I'm not cursing at you. I'm cursing about you. That's a big difference. I'm cursing about you. Get your shit together. Quit having everybody turn around and come out. Well, y'all the problem. We, we can't get nothing because y'all are making the problem. Come on, folks. Get it together. Now, here's something that may be a little, little old to you guys. I don't know. <clears throat> but we need to keep an update on it. I'll let you hear from this guy first. So the soulless suits up in D.C. has finally passed the bill, I think it's a law now, to where Ukrainian refugees can come here and receive a buttload of assistance to help get them on their feet. I'm talking Social Security. Yes, our tax dollars that we paid into by working here. They haven't paid a cent into it, but they can receive the money that we paid into the social security system. They can also receive health care. They can also receive housing allowance to, you know, help get them housing. But my thing is, wasn't 200 billion something dollars sent to Ukraine? You telling me none of that money was for the people? I guess not, because they could come here and take our tax dollars. We still have homeless veterans here who have no assistance from the government. We have homeless Americans that can receive nothing from the government, but these Ukrainian refugees can come here and receive everything. Y'all don't y'all not fed up yet? Like for real, y'all not fed up yet? No, y'all not fed up yet. Y'all still worried about the aftershocks of the Super Bowl. Y'all still worried about the NBA. Y'all still worried about the NHL. Y'all still worried about this celebrity or that celebrity, all that drama, all that bullshit. I don't know what's going to happen. Like I said in multiple videos, I don't have all the answers. But if we don't unite and come together as Americans, we are all doomed. We are. We are doomed. Because people like me who are aware and are conscious, we are the minority when we need to be the majority. I've said that on plenty of videos. We need to be the majority. But it seems like we are such a small population that we can't do it by ourselves. We need everybody who calls themselves an American to start coming together. Fuck race. It's about America. Yeah. Now, let's see what you just heard. Is it, we all got to be together on this, right? Say fuck race. Dude, I'm sorry to tell you that. That ain't going to work. I, and the thing about we all Americans, I just live here. Sure, I've worked and paid and paid my dues and all that. But I don't, I don't, I don't consider myself no damn American. No, ain't no rally around the flag. Yeah, this is wrong. It's totally wrong. I agree. But that thing about we we can all work together. No, we can't. It's too far gone. Ain't no just throwing the town out. Okay, we all buddy, buddy, buddy. 
as soon as that's over. And when they get through screwing somebody else, let's screw you Negroes again, right? Uh, ain't going for that. Like I said, I never deal with, you can't shake hands with the devil and expect not to get burned. And that's the same thing. You know, because if you're shaking hands with the devil, you know. So, <clears throat> so, what happens is he's saying, well, we can all do this. And I, I understand, you know, no, I ain't helping him. You know, and, and, and he's right, though. They're giving away the whole kitchen sink, but you, you black folks still run around talking about reparations. And anybody else can come here and get everything free. And you still talking about reparations. Now, this happened during Vietnam when they brought the, brought the boat people and all that stuff. You know, they brought all them people from, from Vietnam. I see they did the same thing when the Shah of Iran fell. They brought them folks in, Iranians. They did the same thing. Pol Pot regime, remember? Uh, in uh, Thailand, I think it was. Laos, Thailand, whatever. They brought all those folks. And let's see, what else did they bring in? Afghanistan, they brought those folks. You know? And guess what? All this time, all them people they brought in, y'all are still talking about reparations. <laughs> and y'all still talking about reparations. And you still ain't got nothing. And you ain't going to get nothing. You know? So, all I can tell you is this. All them folks got this, and we got nothing. And it's going to keep going that way. Like I said, now he said the Ukrainians. I don't know if he made this last year or this year. You know, but what I did was I checked into it and got a, uh, what's it called, update to see what's really going on. Because I don't like to take people's, people's word for anything. I like to see for myself. So I'm going to find the, the article. And I'll read it to you guys. And you you say, okay? Now, a lot of the stuff he was talking about, basically, it happened last year in 2023. Well, oh, y'all slept for basically why all y'all didn't give a damn. Well, see, I don't know why. Uh, it's like I told you, this kind of stuff happens overnight. When we go to sleep, they're not asleep. They're still on the floor, filibustering, and then they stop this filibustering, and they pass, this, they pass bills and measures that we don't know nothing about. This goes on 24-7 in halls of Congress. That's the way this government works. Nobody knows about it, and it's passed. You know, and they don't need the majority vote or whatever because of the way they set it up for certain things. 
in other words, American people again. Fucked. And it's nothing you can do about it, but they, you know, them damn patriots that wanted Trump. And I'm not even giving Biden did this one. The, the ones that wanted Trump so bad, you know, because he was going to have a war with China that was going to get you motherfuckers wiped off the planet. <laughs> That's what he was going to do. Because, well, basically, he probably wasn't going to do that because, you know, a lot of stuff he got made, MAGA hats and all that, they were made in China. A lot of stuff, his business dealings, his, da- his daughter's business dealings are done in China. So he had lied to you fools too, which I believe that white ones and some of the Negroes is out, out here listening to this. They believe it. And some of you Africans believe that that, that that shit too. So anyway, this is what the deal is. You came, the Ukrainian refugees in the US will receive a pension and health insurance details. Insurance. And here's the details. I guess they say. I don't know. Does this? What is this do we saw his head? The USA will start paying pensions and also provide health insurance to Ukrainians who arrived in the country after the war began. Find out in more detail what new assistance the country's government will provide and what documents are required to receive it. Retirees from the Ukraine who arrived in the US after the outbreak of full-scale war will be able to receive the government supplemental security income, social security income pension. Okay. That was that was reported by the Office of Refugees Resettlement of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. SSI is a government pension paid to low-income people over age 65 and people with disabilities. What amount of pension will be paid to Ukrainians? The amount of the payment depends on the state in which the refugee resides. Okay. What amount of pension will be paid to Ukrainians? The amount of payment depends on the state in which the refugee resides. In 2023, the maximum, the minimum will be $914 per month for a single person or $1,371 for a married couple. Necessary documents to for registration of pension. They tell you what that is. To apply, contact your nearest Social Security office. You need to have with you your passport, Form I-94, Social Security number if available, but they don't have that, so they don't have their, their country's ID number, and whatever else. Now, basically what this is there is just tells you people go get fucked, Americans. Now, Social Security, I have a problem with that. I worked for that. But I'm getting mine now, so I'm going to tell you like I is again. Fuck it. Because, you know, I'm going to tell you how this shit happened before. Back in the days of Reagan, he raised the retirement age for Social Security. Your age was 63, 65 at that time. But since that bastard was 80 years old, 70-something, he says, well, Americans are living longer than I hear bobbing shit. He was all senile any fucking way. Nancy was running the show. But, and and uh, other close cronies in the halls of 
Congress and shit. They were running the show. But anyway, so they raised the retirement age. If you were born 1960 and above, from 65 to 70 to receive full benefits. Now, that means all you people born after 1960 and 1960, Got to work till you're 70 fucking years old to receive your full, your full pension benefits from Social Security. Okay? Got that? And I told people back then, I said, hey, y'all see what's going on? And these are people my age. I mean, which which wouldn't have bothered them at all. But it would, their brothers, you know, they, it would have bothered their kids. You know what I'm saying? It would, it would affect their kids, mine too. So I, I said, hey, you know, we need to do something about it. They didn't give a fuck. They, they didn't care. They don't know. They don't want to talk about that. Uh, oh, man, you, you talking about you talking that radical shit. That's what they told me. Seriously. That's what they told me. That radical shit. I said, okay. A lot of other things. <clears throat> like when he said he cut welfare back then, all them white people, them white devils were clapping their hands. Now the reason they they were clapping their hands because they they have been in, they have bought into the same shit they still talking today that black feet, black folks are the benefit the biggest beneficiaries of welfare which is a goddamn lie. All white people got us outnumbered. They're a bigger part of the population. They got us outnumbered. Now I admit percentage of us that's on it according to their numbers shouldn't be that high but then again racism and all the other discrimination kept people getting jobs but anyway so what they did was they weren't gonna put all them poor ass crackers out on the street they just switched their benefits to social security i knew guys out there who never worked seriously they were my age and it pissed me off and they were getting they were getting welfare then they were getting social security I'm like, how the fuck are they getting Social Security? Big, healthy motherfuckers, and they ain't never worked. Haven't contributed a dime. But, and I was telling people, how is this shit working? Well, now you always hear Social Security running out of money. Because, you know, when Social Security was first established, nobody was supposed to dip into this. So it was just going up, 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 up. Money was piling up. So what did the hunky man do? The first thing he does is figure out how he can steal it. Steal the money. Because it was it was just piling up. You know, people weren't dying. So they were still getting Social Security, but the next generation was paying into it. So it was constantly piling. Plus the interest it was occurring. Oh man, it was just it was gonna keep piling up. So we might as well take this money and fight some wars with how you think they finance all this shit? Off of mine, your social security. But anyway, now they're gonna give these people social security. People ain't never can't even speak the language probably. And already made it quite clear they don't want to live nowhere around niggas or Muslims. They said that in what's that, uh, England? And I'm quite sure they're saying the same thing here. They don't want to live around, but they're going to take your money. And they're giving it to them. But you folks still ain't talking about reparations, right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, they're gonna get medical. They're gonna get what you can get. What what Barack Obama fought like hell to get passed through the, the uh, ACA. They walk through the door. They're giving them a free health care. Yeah. And they said, give them the money to start up a little business or whatever for housing subsidies and all that. And all these folks here living in the street can't afford rent. And what are they getting for their, for their effort? Born here, lost their jobs. What are they getting? Not a damn bit of help. But then again, that goes in, in tune with everything else. They want the they want the country white. They didn't get them damn uh, Haitian shit. They, they beat them up at the border, like goddamn starving motherfucking animals. They beat them back. Rolled horses on, and when anybody called attention to it, they did the same thing the white devil always do: give some apologize. Same way they do when they kill motherfuckers in the street, apologize, or say something wrong to people. Down people apologize. Some bullshit apology. That's what make everything all right. And of course the Negroes take it. And like I said, I ain't me. They they ain't hit they ain't hit me. They ain't messing with me. So and I don't care. But like I told you, this is what happens. And that's what this guy is talking about. Of course, all this stuff he's talking about happened last year. I'm I'm just rehashing it. Don't mean jack shit. Cause y'all ain't gonna do nothing about it. So let's see, you see these links on there, you know. You can you can look it up for yourself. It's a whole lot more stuff to go with this. For those folks. Yep. But I don't care. I don't care. Let's see, I'm not working, so I'm not paying to a system that's giving the shit away. I was pissed off enough when they were giving Social Security away after they took people off welfare. They started dipping into Social Security. Then every every four years, you hear the same shit. We running out of money for Social Security. We need to cut it. It's an entitlement program. And you know what? You you actually had dumbass crackers and some Negroes, excuse me, niggas that actually believe that there was an entitlement. They don't even know what FICA meant. That's Social Security, you stupid bastards. Uh, but what can you say? They don't know. They, they see it on the check every week. FICA. That's Medicare and Social Security. They don't even know it. And they pay for it. But there's an entitlement because the white man told them that them white them white devils, oh man, they wanted to cut it. And they were they was cutting their own throat. They wouldn't hurt a lot of us to see. But it wouldn't hurt me too much, you know why? Because I was gonna kill me a motherfucker. I, I worked all the motherfucking years. Them hunkies can pull that shit if they want to. I was gonna go kill one of them motherfuckers. Maybe one or two or three. And I wasn't gonna stop till they killed me. But <clears throat> they haven't fucked with me yet, so fine. But I'm just telling you. So when your kids get ready to retire and don't have no Social Security, and they got to work till they drop dead at 100 or some shit, whose fault is it? Theirs and yours. Not mine. 
like I said, this is an old article, so you know, it's it's all this stuff is went through already, so I'm just rehashing it. Y'all have a good day. Share, believe, inspire. Uh, here's a case of fuck around and find out and you pay for it. Like this idiot. And you know what? I feel nothing. She did the right thing. But, of course, she know how it works out. Oh, my poor baby. He was going to church. Bullshit. This dumbass fool tries to grab a cop's gun. I guess he figured because she's a woman, he can just gangster her. Fool motherfucker. And he paid for it with his life. And you know what? I don't give a damn. I'm glad. One more asshole off the street. Let's hear the story. We're back with a new fallout from a shocking caught on camera struggle between an off-duty police officer in Chicago and a man who attacked her. Emily Ikeda has the story. A warning. Some of what you're about to see and hear is disturbing. Tense moments caught on camera in Chicago as a man identified by police as LeVon Smith grabs an off-duty officer from behind. In the scuffle, she warns, before a shot rings out. Even then, the brawl continues. The surveillance footage released this week by Chicago's Civilian Office of Police Accountability. The video and audio from January's incident were not synced, so NBC News aligned them. The off-duty officer instructs onlookers to call 911 as she continues to yell at Smith. Who was struck in the hand, abdomen, and hip, according to the police report. He later died in the hospital. I thought Yeah, I'm a police officer. Off duty. Yeah. I don't know. He tried to steal my gun. Smith's estate is now suing the city of Chicago and the officer for $10 million, alleging the officer used excessive force. One of the, the more troubling things about, about this incident is after Mr. Smith is shot, uh, there's no first aid render. Uh, the officer appears to stand over Mr. Smith and taunt him. But that could... You know what? That's the dumbest goddamn thing I heard. If, if this is a person on the street, you think about it, you tried to rob me and I tell you I got a goddamn gun and I blow your motherfucking ass away. You think I'm going to try to save you after, I, after you tried to fuck me up and kill me? I just tried to kill your ass for doing this to me. Now, you think I'm supposed to stand over you and give you first aid? You know, there's these motherfucking people come with some dumb ass ways of trying to get money. These people don't deserve a goddamn dime. Chicago don't owe him shit. This 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 lady cop don't owe him shit. And let me go to make it a little bit better for you. She just saved this stupid motherfucker from getting mugged across the street. This is how this all started. She came out and three other motherfuckers about to beat this idiot's ass and take everything. She saved his ass and this is the retort she got returned. This, this is what I got. 
when people tell me she's trying to save this stupid bastard, and then he gonna try to rob her and take her gun. I guess he figured she's a woman. I can take this from her. I'm a gangster. Well, he got his motherfucking ass sent right to the goddamn hell. She did the right thing. You know what? And like I said, if if his if I was a judge and they brought this shit in front of me and they told me we got a ten million dollar loan, get the fuck out of here. It don't belong in civil court, it don't belong in no court. This dumb bastard made a mistake. No, he did the fuck around and find out for real. And he found out for real. Like she said, I told you I'd shoot you. And she did it. Now, you know, motherfucker tell you they gonna shoot you? I think you should leave him alone. But he didn't. You know, he might even got away without even going to jail because she was she was off duty. If he just, just took his stupid ass where he came from, he said, I don't go fuck, I'm sorry. I don't know what came over my ignorant ass. But see, these, these motherfuckers think they can just do anything out here. See, especially in Chicago, they think they can do any fucking thing. And they have no consequences. Well, like I told you fools a couple of weeks ago, people have had enough of you dumbass motherfuckers out here. They've had enough. People have had enough of these stupid motherfuckers and they starting to shoot back. Or shoot first or whatever they got to do. You know, and this... This cop don't deserve nothing but a medal of honor. And I don't like cops, but she deserves a medal of honor. Because this bastard, I guarantee, if he took her gun, he would have shot her. He would have shot the shit out of her and took with her own gun and thought he's a bad motherfucker from then on. Even when they caught him, he'd be monkey around, walking in court like he all bad. No, he, he in hell walking around. Because I guarantee he didn't get no motherfucking wings for this. <laughs> shit. But you know, of course, his family, you know, they could, they could have. What could the fuck she's supposed to do? Well, you tell somebody, tell me. These assholes actually think that she done warned this motherfucker twice, and he's still trying to take it because she popped his ass once. He still wouldn't let go of her. He's still trying to take it. I guess he didn't feel the first shot. She popped his ass again. Guess he didn't feel that shit either. I guess he's still trying to do some shit. She cracked his ass again. This time his bastard died. Well, he fell out and he died late in the hospital. He probably was dead when they got his dumb ass there. So, you think I feel something? And I don't give a fuck what his family's talking about. Well, you shouldn't talk about it. Fuck y'all. You made this ignorant bastard. Now you ain't got to worry about it. You know, go get a GoFundMe and see if somebody gives some money to bury this son of a bitch. I bet you they didn't. Because this happened January 6th, I think. Well, Four days ago, whatever the fuck it happened. I don't know. They said it's six, but I think it was longer than longer than that. I mean, closer than that. But whatever. He got what he deserved. And he just joined the fuck around and find out club. And he found out. It would be a difficult legal argument to make. This case will be even harder because there is video evidence showing Smith wrestling with the officer and continuing apparently to wrestle with her even after she fires shots. While initially placed on routine administrative duties, the officer's current status with the department is unclear. Now a month since the fatal shooting. Emily Ikeda, NBC News. Thanks for watching our YouTube channel. Follow today's top... As I said, criminals, motherfuckers ain't playing with y'all no more. People are not afraid to kill you. And she's, she's trained to kill you. And she, like I said, you would see she gave this fool opportunity to, to stop what he was doing. 
after she saved his ass from getting his ass killed across the street. So I guess that wasn't enough. He guessed, well, I'm a, I'm a criminal. I'm going to jump on you because I'm a bad nigga. But see, a lot of these women out here ain't playing, you stupid-ass motherfuckers. And I'm glad. A lot of these women ain't playing, you dumb-ass Negroes who don't want shit, ain't doing shit, running the goddamn streets. A lot of these fucking women ain't playing no more. They will blow your black ass away. They know you ain't worth nothing. You ain't no good for nothing. They don't give a fuck about your mammy because they want to go home and take care of their kids and their husband. Not have a fucker like you in their life for no reason. And then you sit and get away with it or sit up in jail for five or six years, some little mind, mindless ass, weak, weak ass sentence. No, it's a lot of people killing you fools. There's a lot more of y'all going to die, too. Keep fucking around and finding out, okay? That's what I say. And find out the hard way. Yeah, I said that. Now, this is also a continuation of the fuck around and find out. I forgot to so put this things. on with the same video. But I'm, I'm going to tag this on to this, to this one. Now, you, heard, you saw this here. It says, armed Chicago woman shoots man attempting to rob her. Now his family is suing for $10 million. Or $10 million. This is how they fucked up, you know, they, they, they devalue black folks. Everywhere else it says Chicago cop. This motherfucker, MS Microsoft News, with his fucking racist ass ways and his fucked up ass articles. I guess it actually they, they must get some fucking high school kids to write this shit. Some high school kids who can't read, can't write, and everything. If it ain't on the computer or they or their cell phone, they don't know how to do shit. But anyway, it was this one was an off-duty Chicago policeman. Okay? Not no motherfucking just Chicago woman, even though it it has happened. Same side of town. I think a few months ago, whatever, black woman coming out of the house, motherfucker come up to her trying to rob her, and she shot that bastard dead. It fucked her up, but she fucked him up real quick. He's laying there dead. People are not playing with you, Negroes. <clears throat> a lot of these little bastards, they they raised by nobody. they raised by wolves or whoever the fuck raised them. Or I hate to say it, these women trying to raise these motherfucking boys. Excuse my motherfucking language. They try to raise these boys and they can't raise them because when a boy gets a certain age, I'm going to be honest, it's just like a girl. When a boy gets a certain age, he ain't going to, mama can't hurt him no more. Now, you notice when, when kids are born, you know, boys and girls, boys tend to stick with their mama, little girls tend to stick with their daddy. I don't know why they do, but some they know. Something they know. Boys figure their mama can protect them away from their daddy at, until a certain age when they start realizing that daddy will knock the fuck out of mama if she get in his way. And girls got the thing is, daddy will protect me from mama. Because she know he will. She got that feeling. Now, so when these boys get a certain age, and I don't condone nobody hitting nobody, don't get me wrong. Unless it's your hard-head kids, you need to knock them the fuck out. But this, these little boys, they get a certain age, and they get big and shit. You know, fed this motherfucker hot dogs and Popeye's chicken, <laughs> and these motherfuckers don't feel you. You just whatever you say to them, they know 
they can do what they want because you can't hurt them physically and you ain't gonna put them out. They know this because you don't do it. Because you have never taken something and tried to knock the goddamn soul out of one of the motherfuckers. That's why. And see, girls know their mama will knock the soul out their ass, most of them. But these these days, I don't even think they fear anything because they, they, they handle their mamas out of the street. But as by far, by large, Girls know their mama because she's a girl and her mama's a woman. That woman gonna take only so much before she grabs a piece of pipe and caves their motherfucking head in. But her little baby boy, mamas ain't gonna do that too quick. I'm being honest. You can do that psychology one-on-one. Babies learn that day one when they're born. They, they, they know, they something in them says, go, if I'm a girl, I'm gonna hang with daddy. If he's around, I'm gonna hang the. I'm gonna be daddy's little girl. Boys gonna be a mama's little man. That's what they do. Okay, so obviously, I'm telling you, these these boys are raised like they get certain age they can't be handled. They got no daddies around, and if they did have one, he he may be in jail, or he just ain't around. Don't I don't know why, but you tell me. You know. That shit happens, you know, women kick the man out, man leaves on his own, whatever. But all in all, they wind up in the street and they think they're bad. And this is when they meet that test. And they, a lot of them are not starting to pass that test no more because a lot of people are the motherfuckers grading these tests, if you know what I mean. These people they've been preying on are the ones who are grading their test. And they grading their test with a motherfucking F, which means you failed because I killed your ass. BF, bullet fail. That's what they're getting, a BF, bullet fail. Okay, let's watch this part of If you're a gun owner, you need to stop what you're doing right now and watch this next video because there are so many things to learn from it. Was her off-duty gun. So, for all intents and purposes, 
This woman was a concealed carrying citizen. I point out all of this because people from the gun control lobby will try to write the situation off by saying, oh, but she was a cop, so it's different. No, it's not. Any regular citizen can find themselves in this exact same situation. So miss me with that. So the video starts off as just another grimy day in Southside Chicago. You can see three people confronting and trying to attack this one guy. I'm assuming they were making a lot of noise about it because she comes out and confronts them as a mediator of sorts. A few seconds later, three of the guys walk off while she continues speaking with the fourth person. Then out of nowhere, once she turns her back and starts to walk off, this goofball attacks her. All of the reports that I read said he was trying to take her gun. And it does seem like that's exactly what he was trying to do. But our lady friend here hit him with that usher meme though. Now let's talk about all of the lessons to be learned here from this video. The first lesson being the gun is the equalizer. If he had attacked her the same way and she didn't have her gun, this would have been a very different video. I don't care what all the 109th wave feminist books tell you. The vast majority of men are bigger and stronger than women. So the only thing that will equal the playing field when a bigger and stronger man is attacking a woman is a gun. The second thing to be learned from this video is to keep a round in the chamber. I know a lot of people like to carry guns without a round in the chamber, which if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But just understand the limitations and drawbacks of doing that. She only had one hand to grab her gun and pull the trigger. And it was that first shot that got him off of her. Even then, he still tried to grab for the gun and almost had it, but it was the second shot that caused him to stop grabbing. Without a round in the chamber, I am almost certain he would have taken that gun away from her. It wasn't her she-man strength that kept him away from her. It was that gun going off and hitting his ass. The third thing to learn is that gun control doesn't work on criminals. This woman was trying to help this man. You can even hear her say it in the video. Yet this lunatic still tried to attack her for no reason. What makes you think someone who is that compassionless and irrational is going to care about not breaking a gun law? He didn't hesitate to attack a woman who just got done helping him from being attacked himself. There's no reasoning with criminals like this. All they know how to do is to hunt for victims. And the only thing they respect is a potential victim with a gun. Make all the laws you want. It's not stopping criminals like this. The fourth thing to learn is to get some type of concealed carry insurance. I say that because even though this woman was not charged with anything criminally, the family of the man she shot and killed ended up suing her in civil court for $10 million. Yes, you heard that right. They sued her for defending herself against their family member who attacked her. Unfortunately, we live in a society where you can use a gun to save your life, but the family of the person you saved your life from can turn around and try to sue you into bankruptcy. So you may beat the criminal case, but you'll still have to deal with the civil. That's why it's important to have some type of concealed carry insurance like you get when you become a member of USCCA, because you'll not only have access to attorneys to help you with your criminal and civil case, they'll also cover you for any collateral property damage that may occur during your self-defense shooting. Let's say she had missed a couple of those shots and hit a car or a window with the USCCA membership you could have all of that covered. I think USCCA is the best, which is why I work with them exclusively. But even if you don't use them, get some form of concealed carry insurance because people are quick to sue you for anything these days. And the last thing to learn from this video is the reality of open carry. I don't have a problem with people open carrying, but it does come with some risk. One of those being everyone knows you have a gun on you, including all of the criminals. 
This guy clearly knew she had a gun on her and he went for it. The same thing can happen to you when you open carry. Criminals aren't always the brightest people in the world and they tend to act on impulse. So seeing a gun being carried in the open is the precious to their golem. At the end of the day, this guy messed around and found out what has been said for decades. God made man, Samuel Colt made man equal. I love the way this lady handled herself and I hope she gets all the support she needs going forward. You know how frightening it is to think about what happens in the moments before, during, and even days after having to use your gun in self-defense? When you first start carrying a gun for protection, it can be a very scary and nerve wracking experience, especially if you haven't gotten the education and training you need to feel confident. I've been there myself, hoping I never have to go through a self-defense shooting, which is why I'm a member of the USCCA. As a USCCA member, you can eliminate some of the stress of carrying a gun for protection by accessing the amazing wealth of firearm education, training, and current state-specific gun laws of your state or states you may travel to. This can help you be prepared for or hopefully even avoid a self-defense incident. As a bonus, members automatically become insured on the self-defense liability insurance policy purchased by an issue to the USCCA. Click below to learn more. You know, we talk a lot about empowerment in this country, except for when it comes to the Second Amendment. However, I can't think of anything more empowering than having the most effective tool to protect you and your family. Help me spread this message by liking and sharing this video with everyone you know. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment because the Second Amendment, when it said militia, it wasn't talking about the government. It was talking about you. Also, if you want to know where to find the I'm the Militia shirt and merchandise, click the I'm the Militia link in the description section of this video. And don't forget to subscribe to the channel. And most importantly, make sure you hit that bell symbol. Now, you heard what he said. Everything he said was good and bad. Yeah. You know, and the sad part Richard is, like he said, in the, pic the sad part is the average citizen got damn near get insurance. If everything is okay, you got insurance in your car. You got insurance in your house. You got life insurance. You know, you got hospitalization insurance. You know, now you got to get, get insurance to carry your gun. Because a motherfucker out there in the street going to fuck you up. And then if you kill the motherfucker, they're going to sue you. Because there's no there's no common sense laws in this goddamn country. Nah, nah, no common sense laws. The white man's laws are some bullshit. Like I said, in Africa, you fuck up, you die. They did it right. You fuck up and grab some little girl you shouldn't have. They kill your ass. They don't wait for no motherfucking judge and jury. And, they, and they'll tell you proudly, yeah, we killed that motherfucker. You go raping kids. They catch your ass, they kill you. The neighbors kill you. Everybody in the area kills your ass. You better hope the police can catch you before they do. But here in America, and all this Western law, all people get is fucked over. You got to constantly keep buying more shit to cover your ass for the criminals. And the criminals are the goddamn government and the criminals in the street. That's all to it. Point blank. They're the criminals. But he made good sense. And like I said, they don't deserve shit. They suing this woman for what, $10 million in civil court? She, she don't owe them shit. And you know what? She can take off as many days she wants to. Let's see it. You see, they got them some bullshit ass Negro lawyer. You see, they didn't get Ben Crump because he tried to him, you ain't got no case. They got this some bullshit lawyer. He think you'll get a couple of hundred thousand dollars out of it. They don't deserve a fucking penny. That bastard, you, now that, that one I showed you because I want you to see. 
she actually saved this motherfucker and he turned on her. That's that's to show you what the fucking simpleness of these damn criminals is. You help them and they turn on you within five seconds. Tell me. Something wrong with these motherfuckers. What they feeding them? What they what they drinking in the water? But she did right. And you hear how he started bitch down. I don't want to die. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, he would have fucked her up, you up, me up, and anybody else. If he got hold of her gun, he would have shot the fuck out of her, killed her, went out doing some more killing of anybody else. And then he gets his goddamn sad ass thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to die. Yeah, you do. She told you she'd kill your ass, and she made she made truth on that. She banked on that she was gonna kill your ass, and you didn't get the message. Well, maybe in next life, fool. But you tell me what you think. And like I said, I'm not crazy about cops, but I, I'm not gonna defend the criminal either. You wrong, you wrong. I don't give a fuck who you are. If it's me, if it's my own family, you wrong, you wrong. I can't do anything about that if you're wrong. Now, if you ain't did shit and somebody fucking over you, then we all got to posse up. But if you're out here doing some fucked up shit like this, fool, uh-uh. And, you, and she told him, don't. Don't go this way. He didn't, he, he didn't believe fat meat greasy. Well, it is now. All right, y'all. Now, I'm sorry, I took y'all too much time with y'all, but I tried to give y'all a different angle so you could be happy. So nobody was saying, well, you know, she could have did something better, couldn't do shit better. That's just like me and anybody else walking up the street and hear a motherfucker come up behind you and strong arm you and drag you down to the ground. What you gonna do? Stand there? Take it? No. If you got a gun and you you know how to use it, you're going to pull that motherfucker up and start shooting. And like the brother said, carrying a gun is no good unless you keep one in the chamber. That's the true fact. Now, everybody don't know how to act with a gun being loaded. You know, you keep one in the chamber. So if you're not sure of it, you better go get some gun training. Because if you got a gun on you, you going out, open carry or concealed carry, you best to have one in the chamber. Because you ain't got time to cock back on it. <clears throat> if you know what you're doing, you won't reach down there and pull that motherfucking trigger while you're getting it off. Because you'll be experienced enough to know not to pull that trigger when you're pulling it up on a fool. That's all I can tell you. Y'all have a good one. Now, here's a case of fuck around and find out and pay for it. Like this idiot. Back on. Mm -hmm. Let me put Jason back on.